0: Hi, it's Joshua Fouts here with Anazeri. We are here at the Centro Yorenka Antami, which is the Ashaninka tribal community village across the river Juruá from Marichal Tamatulgo. Tomorrow we head to Cruzeiro do Sul, uh, and tonight we're going to tell you a little bit about two visitors here at the Centro. Uh, one of whom is a traditional medicine expert that, that was very, very interesting. But before that, I just wanted to revisit our trip back to uh, Marashal Muturgu, downstream down the river Amuniya from the Ashaninka village, Apichua, And uh, the trip was actually supposed to be relatively short because it was downstream. It was supposed to be about maybe half the time that it was to take us to go upstream. And one of the things that we experienced was that about a half an hour into our trip, our the engine on the skiff that we were in broke, died. And we ended up floating adrift down the river Ammonia for about a half an hour. At one point, uh, the person who was navigating the boat jumped out and disappeared into the forest and went and about a half an hour later, he came and met us upstream in a, in a boat that he had borrowed from some family members, some family members who were related to Banky, the, uh, leader one of the leaders of the Ashinika tribe who were our hosts in the village but what was notable is that we ended up having to paddle by hand downstream as we sort of drifted down this river and then finally one of the people Benki's wife uh, who was traveling with us with her young three-year-old son had the idea of pulling off onto a sandbar and getting some uh, bamboo poles and then we all basically pulled ourselves down downstream down the river a little ways and then we uh, stopped at the place where the uh, skiff that was loaned to us had been, uh, or loaned to our driver, who had gone up to the river, t- to the uh, Ashenika village to get a new engine. Actually,
1: that's because the boat that he borrowed from these guys was also with, problem, with problems and wouldn't make it all the way to Marichal. So he had to uh, go back to the Odea to get the new engine, and then he we... Set to meet at this place where he borrowed the first motor in the first place.
0: So I think one of the things that we that we encountered in this with this family who we hung out with for about an hour, one of this, these river dwelling families, was that it actually sets up one of the conversations that we were going to have tonight. We're going to have tonight, which is about traditional medicine. Um, the family there had a young child whose fing, finger was seriously injured, and I don't know. Yeah, he life. actually he got
1: the, the finger caught into the machine to... to, What's the word for that? Like To, to smash uh, sugar cane?
0: Oh, sugar cane press uh, or something like that.
1: Sugar cane press, yes. It, it, it was his... Uh, what's the, the, his little ring finger. His yeah, left, left ring, ring finger. Left, left ring, ring finger. It was totally destroyed. And they didn't take him to the doctor because they, they claimed that the, the doctors were too far away and they wouldn't do anything. So he was only treating it with the medicine from, from the forest. So I felt really bad. And the guy... The, the grandfather was also with a cold, and he was complaining that he was feeling super bad and he never takes any vaccines and so I ended up giving them some of my cold medicine and also some an- antibiotic ointment that I had with me.
0: One of the interesting things that I took away from that was that the people uh, the river dwellers who are not indigenous actually are at a uh, disadvantage because the the ashaninka tribe, the indigenous people actually have a very well developed culture of using medicinal plants to treat um, any kind of health problems but the river dwellers are somewhere in between that they know a little bit about the culture of the of the indigenous medicine but they don't know a lot of it and they're really much more toward the side of being dependent upon modern medicine but they don't have access to it so that sort of sets us up for the one of the visitors today and Ana is going to tell us a little bit about that. She conducted a really, really interesting interview with this woman, um, Alzenira da Silva. And Ana, yeah, maybe so, you can tell us about mm-hmm. her.
1: So, Dona Alzenira da Silva is a midwife and also a medicine woman. She's married to uh, Mr. Luis Bispo, who is the the city's medicine man. So, they are all descendants from the... Uh, rubber toppers that lived in this region in Acre many years ago. Her father, her, her parents came from Ceará, which is in the northeast of Brazil, the people that migrated here when the, the rubber cycle started. And they, they've, been, they've lived in many places along the other rivers from the region. But then many years ago, they ended up in one of the settlements here. And what the, her husband then was... Um, since since he had no jobs and they were not uh, able to cut the, to harvest the latex from the trees anymore and since he had this inclination towards medicine and curing people he ended up uh, learning more about these medicine plants and he went to Pernambuco to take courses and he learned things from the Indians as well and today he's one of the main healers of this region and so she... Her husband and a friend of theirs conduct this uh, production of medicines from things like gastritis and throat, uh, sore throats and diarrhea and whatnot. She came to us with a book of all the people she, she served in the last uh, months or so, and Joshua took a picture of it. And she, she came advised by Domingos, whom we talked to yesterday, was the president of the Reserva, but he advised her to be very careful about what she would tell us. But I already had told him that we came here not to steal anything. They're really afraid of biopiracy, which is a very common theme right now. And also another thing that they, they don't do is write prescriptions because they're afraid of uh, being busted by the, the federal agencies. But she, she told us very how, the, how careful they are to produce these medicines and how many people have benefited from it. And many times people from the city come to the doctors and they end up going back to them to ask for medicines. And they have many examples of people being cured of hepatitis and other diseases like hemorrhoids and things. And there's an interesting video done by the Ashininka uh, Indians within their cinema nucleus. This is something that we should make a post as well about, the Video Nasaldeas initiative. They have many nice videos, and they are all online. And one of those is about Mr. Luis Bispo and his routine as a medicine man. It's very really good. We're going to put a link to it later. And uh, many people, including the uh, Mr. Lila with whom we waited for, the, for our boat driver to come back, and who had a cold and whose uh, son... Uh, grandson had the smashed finger they all use their medicine and uh, one of the things that he told us was that he lo- had lost two brothers to snake bites and they only use plants to treat snake bites and they know each each snake has a different poise- uh, plant to treat with and whatnot. it it's is a like margin on, on the bizarre of some of the stories but What she, uh, Dona Zenita, also told us, was that many times these medicines are a first aid thing so that they can wait until they can get to the actual doctor because this can take, depending on the time of the year, if the river is too dry, it can take them like three days to get to the nearest city. So you do need some first aid thing. And she is uh, also a, a midwife But she didn't have even a thermometer, so I I just gave her my thermometer that I brought with me and the pills to chlorinate the water that they use. And we talked about what they would need in terms of help to expand this um, medicine practice that they have. And what she told us was that she would really like to have more pots and pans to cook the stuff with. And maybe help setting up this medicine center where they could prepare the things that they do and filter the water because they don't, they cannot use any water and they're really worried about the hygiene of the things they do. We also gave her most of our empty two-liter PET water bottles to to take home to put medicine in. It, it's it's a, it's a different world, but I think we can see some sort of uh, ways to work with them. I work at the Brazilian Biosciences National Laboratory. We're really interested in exploring this traditional knowledge in a sustainable way. And we know that they are interested in this too. But we, we still have to study the best way to, to help this these people.
0: It's really interesting how these people are really sort of falling in between the cracks of getting the modern medicine that they need, but uh, they're also afraid of the biopiracy element of having the indigenous knowledge that they've acquired for treating these things being stolen from them and commodified. And one of the great things that Ana has talked about is that the uh, National Biosciences Laboratory that she has actually has patent experts and other people who are actually there and ready to work in an advocacy way for these people. So... Part of this journey out here has been to kind of do, kind of get take a get get a sense of what's going on on the ground in terms of the the, the the kind of science these people are using, not only their conditions in terms of climate change, but their conditions in terms of what they're how they're able to to take care of themselves. And I think we really uncovered some really interesting stuff that will um, contribute to.
1: There's one other interesting thing too. Yesterday we talked about all the different people that live along the river, or the populations of the river dwellers, and we talked about the people that live in the reserva, Estachivista, the Indians, and the people that live in the settlements that were in the beginning raising cattle and then ended up uh, being responsible for a lot of deforestation, and then were sued for the, by the government for doing so. So these people are reforesting. And in the case of Donna Alzira and her husband, what they're doing in their little piece of land is planting native species that have medicinal value. So that's really cool that they they know the plants in the forest that they can use, and they go there, extract the plants, but they are also making uh, new seedlings and plants to to repopulate the forest with those species. So it's a lot of work in, in... who, considering the, the life they have, they, they are worried about the forest and they are concerned about like, propagating these species that they know are useful for many ailments. And she was very careful not to tell us names of things, that, as I told her, that we, wouldn't, we we didn't want to record any actual names of plants and what they used it for. She, at, at, at point she started tell, saying it when she felt more comfortable, but I I uh, I told her I stopped the the recording and started over because it, we we really don't want them to get in trouble. We we heard a nasty story from Banky about people really exploiting their knowledge and not giving anything back to them. So it's not it's not a question of not exploring this knowledge, but doing it in a way that everybody benefits. And these people really need. Uh, help and support because they are really really the guardians of this forest what they do here matters for everything else in the amazon they are living in the uh, beginnings of, or how do you call it, the sources of these rivers mm-hmm. they are the tributaries of the amazon mm-hmm. so if these people are cutting trees and throwing them in the river or what whatever they're doing up the river it's a um, it's going to have effects in the whole river and the whole the Amazon rivers and from then on.
0: So in our last two minutes, why don't you tell us also about the the visitors, the, oh the yeah. visitors who came so to the Central today?
1: We we, we also met uh, some people from the state government of Acre. One of them is Domingos Amaral Junior, who works at Sebrae, which is an agency that supports small and and entrepreneurs uh, efforts. And what they're doing here in the, in the central Iorenca, they came to prospect an area where they're going to build the first agro-industry uh, in this region. They have it already in other places of the state, but what they want to do, and it's something that Benki also talked about, they the, the river dwellers, uh, both the Indians and the settlers and the Reservoirs of Chivista people, have planted many uh, native uh, fruit, species around here. And what they want to do is to build here uh, this in the industrial, semi-industrial plant to process this uh, fruit pulp and sell it to the government and to other places, but especially to the government, to introduce this uh, fruit uh, juice and, and even the fruits themselves into the school lunches. Because it's uh, ridiculous to see what this kids get for a school lunch and it's just as bad like, in
0: the u.s too it's, it's terrible alcohol. like yeah. in the
1: aldea in the middle of the village in the little school with no walls they were eating uh what's um, the, the, the pop, pop juice like
0: uh yeah those little boxes of sweetened super pop, sweetened, sweetened juice.
1: juice and the, the sugar water and uh, cor- uh, corn um
0: yeah, yeah, the, like potato chips, basically. But
1: worse than potato worse chips. Worse than like potato, potato chips. Very artificial yeah. corn-based chips in in plastic bags. These are
0: indigenous villages we're talking about here. So yeah, these are people that the are government actually,
1: would supply these things uh, as uh, the school lunches. So they, they are trying to to get around this by producing things from the region to uh, to serve as uh, school lunches. So ju- just around this region we are here, we we found out that. There are about 6,000 kids in schools, and they have 76 schools in in the reserva, including the, the town. Four of them are in the urban area of Marechal Tamaturo, and 72 are spread around the reserva, including the one in the aldea we saw. So they're very small, and one of the guys said, "Yeah, we have some. In some places we have the school, but you don't have teachers. So teachers make very little money." We just spoke to one one guy that that used to be a teacher here in Marechal, <laughs> but became the school guard from the, for the same amount of money. Because so, it, it, I don't I don't crazy. know how many of the six thousand kids actually have a teacher mm-hmm. and have a school to go to. So, in, in the paper, the numbers are there, but we don't know what happens.
0: So, really, the cultures that fall outside of the scope uh, are those that are are most tied to, to the infrastructure. Those that are not, that have their own infrastructures, the indigenous peoples, uh, I think, are in some ways better off because they're really working to maintain their own cohesive culture. So we're going to sign off from here. I wanted to add one footnote, which is that um, I, we've been using three or four different kinds of mosquito repellent, <laughs> and we also purchased mosquito repellent clothes, and it has done nothing Nothing to stop you. No, I
1: can't imagine what would happen if we didn't have dogs.
0: Okay, I mean... I think it would
1: be one big mosquito bite. I'm (laughs)
0: normally like the kind of person whose uh, skin is not sensitive to mosquito bites. I never get welts. I'm covered with mosquito welts. So tomorrow, as we go a little bit out of the Amazon into a slightly more uh, populated area that has somewhat... We're
1: actually going to the second biggest city in
0: the state. Second biggest city in the state. It's still in the heart of the Amazon. It's a little more developed and a little less mosquito-dense. Uh, I'm hoping that our skin will begin to heal. Our poor anthropologist ph- pho- cinematographer, Andre, has had the worst of it. I, I would I, wouldn't, I don't want to gross our listeners out with... He's do his
1: mosquito net right now. Yeah,
0: but uh, suffice it to say that... Um, We are eager, although this has been an incredible journey so far, to uh, move a little bit out of the uh, density of mosquitoes. So until next time, thanks for listening.